Welcome to ESG in VC, and thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Oksana Stowe. This is the first episode of many more to come, and today we have Mark LePere with us. Mark is currently researching the link between crisis and ESG at King's College. He's a fellow of the Higher Education Academy and also serves as a visiting lecturer at Wharton Business School. Professionally, Mark has been an employee, social entrepreneur, and recently a founder. He worked at various established corporations in senior roles. Most recently, he founded an exciting new startup called ESGen. He has lived in Dublin, London, Germany, France, and both coasts of America. And on top of all of that, Mark is a keen sportsman. He is a lifelong fan of Munster Rugby and still competes internationally in Ireland's Sabre fencing team. Hi, Mark. It's great to have you with us. I actually would like to start from the very beginning and ask when you knew that you want to dedicate your PhD to ESG and when you first started exploring the themes around ESG. Hi, Oksana. Thank you very much for inviting me. I think it was about five years ago when I was studying for the Masters, and that was when I first studied in ESG. And I think the motivation really was inequality of wealth, which at the time I felt was as big an issue as the climate crisis and on a similar time frame, but it wasn't getting anything like the same attention. And as a businessman, I think it's a huge issue for our version of capitalism, which is, as we know, shareholder capitalism fundamentally. And I think it especially impacts the venture capital industry because VC acts as a kind of advanced guard of shareholder capitalism, if you like, because it invests in early stage companies before they come to the public stock markets. And you know, if you think about the current model of VC, it's very much focused on high growth innovation. So it's about acquisition of users, revenue, deepening engagement. It's really about speed to scale. And when you look at the literature, the academic literature on how VC-backed companies perform in terms of responsibility and ESG, the findings is that they are slower to become more responsible over time than companies that have not been VC-backed. In other words, VC doesn't really seem to be, at the moment anyway, fostering really responsible businesses. And I think this is primarily for two reasons. One is that traditional VCs, if you like, focus, as we know, on maximizing the value for the shareholders, for the investors. And that's above, really, any other consideration for employees, customers, other stakeholders, society, etc., the second thing I think is a time frame mismatch. VCs have a very short or relatively short term focus of three, seven years compared to the much longer term horizons of ecological and environmental responsibility. To give us some idea, I mean, if you think about an oak tree, just a single oak tree takes around 40 years to mature compared to a three to five year time scale for a VC. An elm tree, just by way of comparison, which is one of the fastest growing trees, still takes 12 years. So there's a real mismatch in time as well. So clearly there's work to do, not just for the whole economy, but for VC in particular. And I think one of the main reasons I got involved in this is that if we're to mobilize startup-led innovation and private finance as the engine of the future economy, then the next generation of startups and founders, they need to start from a different place. I love the analogy around the trees. It's a great one, actually. (laughs) So... 
my next question is, why do you think ESG as a framework seems to be the one that is gaining the most attention and maybe even most adoption, given that there has been a number of other frameworks out there that people have come up with over the last decade? I think the short answer is not invented here. So if I just explain that a bit, you're right, over the past, not just the last decade, but the past five decades, really, we've had in a rough order of how they've come to the world. We've had the idea of corporate social responsibility or CSR. We've had the idea of a triple bottom line of people, planet and the profit. We've had the idea of shared value, the circular economy, which is still very much part of modern thinking. We've had the idea of corporate purpose. We've even had some academics suggest that public companies should be responsible for the provision of public goods and services where markets and governments are unable to provide them. And then, of course, more recently in 2015, we've had the Sustainable Development Goals from the UN. So you're right, there's been a lot of different frameworks. And some of them are weakening in in their penetration of thinking. Others are, are growing and a lot of them still coexist. So what is it about ESG that's really stuck? I think that's an interesting question. And I do think it comes down to the fact that of all the other ones I mentioned, they haven't been invented by the investment community, whereas ESG has. It has come from the investment world, and it's basically a recognition that these considerations, environmental, social, and governance considerations, are material to company value, and they're material in a five to ten year time horizon. Obviously, like any new idea, you get some people resisting it, you get some people saying it's nonsense, but I think, again, if you look at the academic literature and the best practice out there, there is an enormous and growing body of evidence to support the fact that ESG is material, especially in those time horizons. And it's something that people really do have to consider, not just for the management of risk, but for the purpose of growing successful businesses. Great. And one of the themes, actually, as I was digging a little bit in your interviews and research that runs through your research, is how artificial intelligence compounds ESG risks. Would you elaborate a little bit on this and why we should pay attention to it? Sure. I think... The straightforward, simple answer is because artificial intelligence, machine learning, autonomous systems generally, they cripple decision making in a crisis unless they're really, really understood. By that, I mean that if you take the 2008 market crash, while not an example of autonomous systems particularly, although there was quite a lot of automation involved, the idea of credit default swaps basically made risk so opaque that decision makers were completely neutered at the time. And as we know, the world economy nearly crashed. I think the scale at which artificial intelligence, machine learning are making decisions in life, in all walks of life, in all companies, without most of us knowing it, and certainly not with, I mean, without VCs and other investors knowing it, is really quite shocking, I think, if we really knew the extent of the decision-making power and the scale of those decisions, most people would be quite surprised. But the truth is, those decision-making, or that decision-making, is actually pretty opaque. We don't really know how it happens. Most people have no idea what's in the stack, i.e. the layers of software that go into their operating systems. And frankly, if you don't know what software your portfolio company, for instance, has bought, um, there's simply no way in a crisis of reverse engineering a decision and how to go back to where it all started from. The machine's learning itself, it runs away with you. If you don't know how it's thinking, you can't reverse engineer it. And Frighteningly, although it's pretty much prevalent throughout virtually all walks of life, it's largely missing. The idea of autonomous systems, AI systems, if you will, are largely missing from ESG frameworks. And that's not something that I think regulators are going to miss going forward. I think pretty soon they're going to catch up with this notion and ask for, insist on, some metrics around an understanding of what's in the stack as part of an ESG report, for instance. 
Great. And talking about the components of ESG, it seems that public and key players are very familiar with E, as that sort of comes back to the previous question we discussed, that there has been a lot of frameworks around impact, uh, circular economy. How long do you think it will take to create the same awareness around S and G? And what are the dangers of paying less attention to the other two factors? As you say, it's understandable in a way. I mean, COP26 is on right now, and it's clearly... There's been a lot of activism around the environmental side of things. It's more obvious in many ways. Therefore, because it's more activism and more people are engaged with it, it's more politically potent. So it's understandable. But it's a good point that you raise. I think to try and separate the E, S and G components is misguided. Um, and again, literature is pretty clear on this. The risks to VC are actually increased if you try and separate the component pieces out. Eleanor Ostrom, I don't know if that name rings a bell, but she was the first woman to win the Nobel Prize for Economics. And her book was called Governing the Commons. And she very clearly sets out how the way we think about the E, i.e. the environmental piece, is entirely a function of how we manage the societal piece and the economy. And for instance, we could easily have carbon pricing. We could have had it 20 years ago if the world agreed on it. Another example that I think really helps to bring the linkage between the E, the S and the G, but particularly in this case between the E and the S, is actually pandemics, a bit like COVID-19. My colleagues at King's tell me that as climate change worsens, one of the things that we lose is habitat. And loss of habitat means that animals and people are forced closer together, probably where they ought not to be. And when that happens, viruses that are not meant to be, either the animal or the person, jump from one to the other. And that is a huge source of pandemics. So if you try and pretend that these things can be separated, they really can't be. And as an example, climate change will drive almost inevitably future pandemics. So I think that's quite a good illustration of it. I think in terms of people paying less attention to the S, I think, again, COVID actually helped a lot. I think a lot of people recognised the role of key workers in the economy and recognised that actually those jobs are hugely undervalued and underpaid. Most of the less well-off workers in society, less well-paid workers, are in fact the key workers that we all depended on. And I think a lot of people at an individual level have viscerally seen that and viscerally feel that. And I think it's interesting, you're seeing now huge numbers. I read the other day about a quarter of employees are expected to be either resigning or not returning to work in the next two, three, four, six months. And that might be an indication really that better wages, better treatment of workers is necessary. So I think the S has been, the recognition of the S has been accelerated massively by COVID. But in any case, I say it's a real mistake to try and break the components apart. So you're actually a founder yourself, and coming back to the public awareness, you as a founder of ESGen, which is a platform that helps SMEs and startups to start measuring and auditing the ESG data very early on. What is your feeling? Do founders understand all three aspects of ESG? And are venture funds doing enough to encourage ESG accountability among their portfolio companies? That's a very interesting question. I think I would say that there are, I think there are three mindsets, if you like, of the people that we speak to, or the VCs that we're speaking to. There are definitely some people, let's call them the progressives. There are people who get it. They see the point of ESG. They see the fact that it both creates value as well as is value at risk, if you will. But to be honest, they are relatively few in number, I would say, as of now. The second mindset that we see a lot of is what I call the compliance mindset. And these are guys who either resist the notion of ESG, or more typically, just don't really believe yet that it really, really matters in the great scheme of things. They're not saying that it's not important. They're just saying, given a priority of financials or that, it just isn't as important. I'd say that that's a very large minority of the people we speak to. I don't think it's a majority, probably just under. 
The third mindset that we encounter is what I call the CSR mindset. So that goes back to corporate social responsibility mindset. And that kind of looks at ESG in a similar way that people considered CSR, i.e. it's basically a marketing exercise. And I would say that that group is just about a majority of people. And again, if we go back to the literature, what do we know here? What does the world know about this? We know that actually progressive VC, which builds ESG into companies right from the beginning, they actually do turn out to be more responsible than traditional money-focused, purely short-term focused, shareholder value-focused, traditional VC-backed companies, if you will. So there really is a chance for VC to develop companies that have, if you like, responsibility bolted into them from the very beginning, rather than trying to bolt it on after the fact when they've gone onto a public stock market. And I think that finding you know, in the literature that that is real, that VC can make a real difference right from the beginning, I think that's really exciting and obviously critical if we're going to meet the challenges of climate and, and inequality. Understood. Yeah, all very, very good observations. My last question before we wrap up is, could be ESG related, could be not ESG related. What surprised you the most in the last few months and why? Well, I better stay focused on ESG. <laughs> um, so <laughs> let, let me do that. I would say two things, to be honest. The first is actually this idea of the CSR mindset, which I mentioned just now, and I'll come back to that. The second one is the apparent slowness of the VC industry, if we call it an industry, to grasp the opportunity that ESG presents. So let me just touch on those each in turn. So if we go back to the CSR mindset, this idea that somehow ESG is just another marketing exercise, I think there is a fundamental difference that's eluding people. And that is that ESG has always had the idea of reporting or companies disclosing their performance at its heart. Now, until about 2018, that reporting was always voluntary and companies could basically say what they like and they could cherry pick, they could decide to omit information that they didn't think was favorable or set the company up in a favorable way. And hence, they applied the same kind of thinking as they applied to CSR. And as a result, we've got lots and lots of greenwashing going on. I mean, if one is being frank. However, that's all changed, particularly in Europe. And it will change in Britain the other day, the government white paper just last week, making it very clear that the regulators have decided to adopt ESG as a mechanism, if you will. And they're making it compulsory for companies to report on this stuff. So the real difference is if in CSR you could choose what you wanted to talk about in ESG, You can't because there's regulation in the EU taxonomy, for instance, there are 21 metrics that you absolutely have to report in if you're a financial services company. Okay, that's not negotiable. That is a de facto standard. The second thing I think that's interesting in that context is that the idea that regulators in the world can allow companies cherry pick, if you will. Well, I think I'll talk about this, but ignore that. Or I'll give myself a really easy target for the next 15 years because I think it'll make a good marketing story or a VC thinks it'll sound good to their LBs, for instance. I think that's going to be, over time, less and less acceptable. And in fact, targets and benchmarks will be based on scientific best available evidence. And we're seeing, I hope, some of this going to be unearthed and surfaced at COP26 this week. And the last point is, given the greenwashing problem and the prevalence of greenwashing, regulators are also actually pointing it out in the regulation. They're saying we are listing these particular metrics that companies have to report on because we are trying to stamp out greenwashing. They explicitly state it. So that means, in my opinion, and a lot of people support this idea, that very quickly ESG disclosures and reports, there will be a requirement to have them audited or you know, in the technical language of auditors, it's an assured product, but essentially audited, just like you would any financially material data. So I think this CSR mindset is misleading and confusing and actually not really serving VCs or their portfolio companies very well because it flies in the face of the regulation that they're required to do and auditing that's almost certainly around the corner. 
The second big surprise, I guess, is that most people are not more, more excited about the huge opportunity that, and the huge capital growth opportunity that ESG represents. I mean, if you think about re-engineering the world's economy and its infrastructure, it's quite possibly the biggest new business, let's call it, opportunity that the world's ever seen. I think it's starting. And there is an entrepreneurial spirit. You can feel it in some of the conversations we're having. But with the right incentives from policymakers, and that's going to be crucial, but combined with the inventiveness of the VC industry, hopefully it won't be too long before we are growing the businesses of tomorrow that, as I say, are starting in the right way. In other words, responsibility is parcel of how they think of their business models, of the way they think about the world and their place in it, rather than going, let's just go for absolute growth, pretty much forget everything else, and then try and become good later on. I think that model is not going to survive. And I think VC will adapt. And I think that's exciting. Very well said. So yeah, I also believe that the future is bright. Thank you so much, Mark, for your time and for all the great insights and have a good day. Thanks very much, Oksana. Thanks for inviting me. I'm Oksana Stowe and you have been listening to ESG in VC podcast. You can follow ESG in VC on LinkedIn, Instagram or Twitter. If you haven't yet, you can also subscribe to our newsletter. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.